Believe it or not, there's good news for the New Orleans Saints on the Derek Carr injury front. We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome in to another episode of Locked on Saints, your daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much to all you everydayers out there making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget, you can always subscribe and follow for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss the latest episodes. And if you want to keep the conversation going one-on-one with me, uh, take part in our exclusive film studies, Q&As, and much more, you can head over to joinsubtext.com slash LockedOnSaints, become a Locked on Saints insider, enjoy the community I would love for you to be a part of. As always, I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola, on your favorite social media, your New Orleans Saints expert, credential member of the Media Saints News Network, Tuesdays on the Locked on NFL podcast. And here with you every single Monday through Friday on Locked on Saints. Today's episode of Locked on Saints brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. FanDuel, America's number one sports book. You know you love them. You know you want to get in the action. So make every moment more. Right now, new customers can put down $5 just to get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked on to get started. On today's episode of Locked on Saints, we're kicking it off with a lot of Derek Carr, the biggest story here in New Orleans as of right now. So we're going to give you the injury update so far on Derek Carr. A lot of good news around the quarterback, believe it or not. What the Saints are going to do without Carr because they still could be without him for a game or a few games. Uh, And then finally, we'll take a look at how the New Orleans Saints can address the offensive line because clearly they need a little bit of help. But we'll start off here with the update to uh, to Derek Carr. We got an update from Dennis Allen yesterday in a uh, presser uh, media availability. So, so the day after media availability. Uh, and instead of me rambling through all of the updates, let me just let you hear what DA said and then we'll discuss it. Derek's got a sprained AC joint. Um, you know, we'll evaluate him as he goes throughout the week this week. Um, I think we, we, we dodged a bullet there in terms of anything of, of real, um, you know, significance. Um, I think we're kind of saying week to week, you know, but again, he felt better today than he did, you know, yesterday. So uh, we're not we're not making any decisions today. We're not ruling anything out. Um, we'll see where he's at as the week goes on. So this is massive for New Orleans because there were chatters of like very quiet chatters, but there were chatters of season ending. There were chatters of long-term injury, like out for multiple weeks, all these other things. Now, he could still be out for multiple weeks, but there was a lot of, you know, a lot of missed time initially uh, being discussed and things like that when he was brought to a local hospital after the sack, uh, ended up going through a bunch of tests, x-rays, all these other things, and came back with no structural damage, no, uh, it sounds like no ligament damage as well. Not too that hasn't been fully reported, but you know Dennis Allen basically saying that like, look, it's it's an AC joint sprain, um, and and that's where they are. So now all of a sudden they've gone from the concern of a season season ending injury to a week to week evaluation, which is massive for the New Orleans Saints. And Derek Carr has pulled off some outstanding recovery times in his time. So just how quickly. Will he be back on the field becomes the question. I would expect him to miss at least one game. 
I would be very, very surprised if he played against Tampa Bay, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this weekend. But don't rule that out. Don't rule that out until you know for sure. Uh, but I would expect this weekend to be Tampa and, you know, uh, or Jameis going up against Tampa again, Jameis versus Baker Mayfield again, Jameis versus his old team again, all these other things. Um, storylines, and you want to see Jameis Winston win that game against his old team, you know what I mean, and all other stuff. So there's something there to to be excited about with that matchup, but it, I wouldn't expect Derek Carr to be back for it, but we'll see, right? We don't rule anything out. The New Orleans Saints are not ruling anything out. They are literally evaluating him on a day-by-day basis to figure out where it is. Drew Brees has, has played on this injury before. Could Derek Carr be the next New Orleans Saints quarterback to play? The next week after this injury before or before, but after this injury, we'll see. Um, is there a risk of re-injury is another big question, right? I mean, especially with the way that the offensive line is playing right now, they're they're kind of failing Derek Carr in terms of protection and all that. So putting Derek Carr back out on the field with an AC joint sprain, is there a concern for re-injury? Well, thankfully, ESPN's Kat Terrell asked that question. Here's DA's answer to that. My understanding would be this is more of a, a pain tolerance type of deal. I mean, there, there's been a lot of players that have played with um, an injury like this. Certainly when it's quarterback, it's a little bit different. But, um, but yeah, I think it's – I think it's – I'd say functionality. I don't think it's a, a, a further risk of in injury. It's can you function and do your job, um, you know, as well as, a you know, kind of a pain tolerance type deal. So less about the swelling and mobility that we were initially seeing being reported and that many of us reported and were told as well, more so now about functionality, right? Can you do the things that you need to be able to do, which I guess kind of kind of blends with the mobility part of it, right? Can you get all the arm angles? Can you get all of your throwing angles? Can you get the ball downfield? All those other things. Uh, so, so there's still those pieces, but then it also sounds like pain tolerance being a big part of it as well. And so, you know, this, these are the types of injuries where you see a quarterback playing on it and they take on the broadcast every close-up of the quarterback's face that they can. So you can see them wince every time that they throw the football and all that. The dramatic effect of, you know, NFL broadcasting and all these other things. So, you know, I, I think you would see a lot of that kind of stuff. But it sounds like the risk of re-injuries is really low or, or further injury is really low. It sounds like instead, if, you know, somebody were to, to if you were to be sacked again and fall on that same shoulder, then it would be like a new injury would be the concern, not a further joint sprain or the fact that the joint is sprained leading to something else or whatever. It would just simply be if something happened, then it was going to happen one way or another if that sack happened, which is why the sacks need to stop happening, right? Which is why you don't want to see that anymore. Um, now, um, Derek Carr, oh, and I should mention it is his right shoulder. So it's his throwing shoulder. So that complicates things a little bit. If it was his left shoulder, his non-throwing shoulder, then maybe you could see him coming back this week because you know the the mobility needs are a little bit different, the functionality needs are a little bit different. But this one is his throwing shoulder, so it does add a little bit of a extra layer of readiness that needs to be achieved, right? Like a steeper curve uh, in order to be able to really, really get there. But eventually, he will be there, and it sounds like it will be sooner rather than later. Um, one of the other questions that I, I've seen a ton ha is. Did Derek Carr hold the ball too long on that sack? And I'll tell you, just from my honest opinion, when we were watching it live, a few of us said, oh, he held on to that too long. And then we saw that he was like injured and everything like that. And then we never like tweeted it out or, or talked about it again because that became second thought to, oh, crap, Derek Carr's, you know, on the field. And he's like, from my perspective, he like wasn't moving when he was on the field and everything. So it was scary for a second, uh, just in terms of like a human, human area part of it. 
Uh, but human area, I don't know what I'm saying. But anyway, from like a human being perspective of it. Um, but after watching the tape and, and look, Dennis Allen talked about it too. He said, yeah, he held the ball a little bit longer than I would have liked for him to hold on to the ball. And you can see that there's a route underneath that he could have gone to, I believe it was Jimmy Graham, but it was also a third and nine. Jimmy Graham was maybe five yards down the field. So I understand looking for the deeper route. Uh, there was a route that he was waiting to uncover down the field. Uh, Michael Thomas crossing from the left side of the field to the right side of the field. Maybe if you throw that ball to the spot, as opposed to waiting for him to fully uncover, then you get the ball out quickly and you're still able to make that completion. But that's easier said than done when I can push pause, right? It's very, very different when you're in that moment trying to do that and, 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 and figure all of it out and navigate the pocket and all these other complications that are going on around you. Uh, that is, you know, the game of football. So yes, you can make the argument that he held the ball too long. De um, you know, Dennis Allen made the argument that he held the ball a little bit too long. And so maybe this is going to be something to where, you know, and there are other examples of Derek Carr holding onto the ball too long. And so maybe this is the thing that kind of propels that piece of the development forward in, in this offense is getting the ball out of his hands a little bit more quickly. Uh, so hopefully Derek Carr back sooner rather than later. I say hopefully because the New Orleans Saints have not been able to successfully go into a season and maintain the quarterback that they built the game plan for during the offseason. We've seen that the past two seasons. So really, since Drew Brees, we haven't seen the actual offseason quarterback execute the offense for a season. Um, and so you'd like to see that be the case, although you might have a one-gap game uh, in, in the middle. And that's what we've got coming up next. What will the New Orleans Saints do in that case, especially with Jameis Winston now having, maybe for the first time, a full complement of weapons in the New Orleans Saints offense? we got that coming up for you as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team, Every day. Today's episode of Locked on Saints brought to you by our friends at Jace Medical. I got myself a Jace case and went ahead and ordered it so that I could know exactly what I was talking about. And this thing is outstanding. Sinus infection, done. Taken care of, nice and easy. All of these five antibiotics that can treat over 50 different infections allow you to be prepared. When you've got storm shortages, you know, everything that could potentially be going on around, you know, your health and the things in your, your area, natural stuff, everything like that. Like you want to be prepared now and, you know, more than ever. So don't wait, right? Go and take care of everything. Get your, your earthquake kit together, get your hurricane kit together and make sure you have a Jace case as a part of it. Get $20 off of these life-saving antibiotics today. Uh, from Jace Medical by using the promo code locked on L O C K E D O N at checkout at jacemedical.com. That's J A S E medical.com. Today's episode also brought to you by our friends at FanDuel, America's number one sports book. And it is an excellent time to get in on uh, maybe even the New Orleans Saints odds. The Saints actually favored, despite the fact that they might be without Derek Carr next week with Jameis Winston at the helm, favored minus three at home against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So maybe an even match on neutral field, but the dome field advantage still making that minus three favorite. You want to get in on that and much more. New customers right now can get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you put down just a $5 bet. Yes, that's $200 in bonus bets. Win or lose, doesn't matter. So if you're thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get it done than right now. Spreads, player props, over-unders, and much more. Go visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more and to kick off that NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Thanks again to all the everydayers out there making us your first listen of the day every day. Been a minute since the postcast was our Monday episode, but we had a, a very honest conversation on that postcast that I brought you a lot of what 
I was hearing from players, coaches, and the New Orleans Saints organization after that game about what they felt fell apart, all of these other pieces, what happened in the fourth quarter, all of that. And the thing that I want to highlight is that this is a New Orleans Saints team that everyone shouldered responsibility for that loss. I was walking through the locker room and it felt like the Saints had just lost the playoff game. Um, and uh, you know, I, I think that that's less about the opponent, more about how the loss happened. It's less about the loss, more about how the loss happened, right? I mean, to give up a 17-0 lead and then to drop that 18 points, all these other things. Um, and, and look, there were a part of, there's a part of that that belongs to the defense for surrendering the 18 points, part of that that belongs to the offense for not staying on the field longer, keeping the defense from getting winded and all these other pieces, as well as also putting more points on the board. Uh, some of it on special teams with the missed field goal. Like, look, everybody is O-line for the lack of protection, like all these things. Everybody is raising their hand and saying, hey, this one's on me. And that's a really good level of responsibility. And that shows good leadership around this, this locker room. You've, and then you've got coaches and play callers and everything raising their hands and saying, hey, on me too. Um, but if the New Orleans Saints want to avoid that, they're going to have to have a very clear plan about how they move forward without Derek Carr for whatever number of games it is, one game, two games, three games, whatever it might be. Now, Derek Carr's only missed two games in his entire career due to injury, right? There was the whole Raiders situation that happened at the end of last year to where he ended up being sat for the last two games. But in terms of injury, he's only ever missed two games in his entire career for the purposes of of injury and, and, and illness or, or being hurt or whatever it might be. So this is new territory for Derek Carr all of a sudden that he might miss a game, right? Um, but the Saints have to have a plan in case that's the case. So how do they go about winning without Derek Carr? And honestly, and people are going to hate me, I know it, for saying this, I think you have to maintain aggression. I think you have to run the ball, right? And, and Alvin Kamara coming back is a big part of that. I think you continue to try to be the team that you want to be in terms of an aggressive team that wants to get the ball beyond the sticks on third down and all that other stuff, but win on first and second down with the run game, win on first and second down with the quick passing game. The things we're used to seeing in New Orleans when it comes to all of these play callers. I mean, this is such a big piece that you're missing right now on the New Orleans Saints offense. It doesn't matter who's under center, right? is getting the ball out quickly, the tempo, the quickness, um, you know, the the quick throws, all those other things. And I know that those quick throws can be violent for wide receivers and everything, but Michael Thomas has said over and over again, just put me in those situations, right? Like he told Derek Carr, like, put me in the tough situations. I'm fine. Like, I'll go out there and make those plays. Trust that he'll go out there and make those plays. And then now you get Alvin Kamara back. And so now all of a sudden there's kind of this full complement of weapons. And the Saints have really only had the full complement of weapons kind of one game. And that was the Atlanta Falcons game last year where they had to kind of storm back for that big, uh, for that big uh, comeback victory in, in Atlanta. And so, you know, even throughout these first three games, you, you had Derek Carr, you had the wide receivers, you had the tight ends, but then you missed Foster Moreau for a game. Then you haven't had Alvin Kamara. You lost Jamal Williams for a couple of games, all that. So I guess even so, you don't really have a full complement uh, in terms of Jamal Williams being on injured reserve, but you're closer, right? Alvin Kamara, Kendra Miller in your backfield, Tony Jones Jr. being able to help mix in there, Taysom Hill moving all around, Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, Rashid Jaheed at wide receiver, Juwan Johnson, Jimmy Graham, hopefully Foster Moreau's back, Foster, Foster Moreau is back this week. I mean, you have the complement of receivers and weapons on the offense for really the first time with a quarterback that knows the system and all these other things and has won in your system. Um, for the first time since last year. Now, this is still since the first game last year. 
this is still an issue to where you have to look at, you know, you're using a quarterback that is not the quarterback that you installed the system with over the course of the offseason. And that is still going to be a continued through line from 2021, 22, now 23. I understand that. But at least you're going now to a quarterback that knows your system and that has been in your system for years, as opposed to Andy Dalton, who had, you know, three games worth of exposure and an offseason. Trevor Simeon, who had three games worth of exposure and an offseason. Taysom Hill, who at least won some games for you, unlike Trevor Simeon could and all that. And then Ian Book, who you kind of had to throw into the fire and like the worst case scenario. So this is probably the the best. Uh, how do I say this? Because it's not the best case scenario. Your best case scenario is that Derek Carr is back out in the field and you have your starting offense. But if you're going to be without your starting quarterback, this is the best case scenario in that situation that the New Orleans Saints have experienced over the course of the past two years, that they're going to somebody that at least knows the system. And I know that people are going to say, well, it's Jameis and interceptions and turnovers and all these other things. And it's like, sure, those things can happen. But Derek Carr has thrown as many interceptions as he's thrown touchdowns as well. Like sometimes that's just how the NFL is when you're aggressive downfield you're taking lower percentage throws and you're doing higher percentage throws that can end up in interceptions. Look at Jordan Love last week. Jordan Love targeting downfield early on in the first half. Lonnie Johnson Jr. comes up with the interception. Later on in the game, he's getting the the sort of quick rhythm stuff going in the second half. And then he's able to take those shots deep down the field in a more calculated way. Build an offense of that caliber if you're the New Orleans Saints going into this game. Get the ball out quickly get the tempo, get the rhythm going, run the ball and stick with the run game, all those things, and then be able to take those shots in a calculated manner. Remember, one of the things that we talked about before the season began was calculated risk, being a team of calculated risk. That's how you do that. So I do think that the Saints can still be a problem for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers without Derek Carr, but the New Orleans Saints, Pete Carmichael, the offensive play calling, all of that has to show up and all that stuff has to come up from what we've seen so far, so far this year. Um, And I don't think that play calling has been all bad, but I do think that knowing this situation, there's a specific style that you have to approach this with. You have to go a little bit more West Coast. You have to go a little bit more, not safe, but you have to go a little bit more calculated in your risk taking. And then you have an opportunity here to be able to take advantage of a beaten up defense and altogether a bad team in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Green Bay Packers were dealing with injuries. They effectively were not the team that they usually are on the field, and you still found a way to lose to them. Can't let that happen here this week in week four. And that comes down to the coaching, the play calling, all those other things as well. All right, coming up next, will the New Orleans Saints address the offensive line? And if so, how will they? Could Lael Collins be the solution, but not in the way that we had previously discussed? We got that coming up for you as we continue on and wrap up today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked on Saints brought to you by our friends at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the most fun and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. No going up against a bunch of mystery lineups. It's you versus the house. All you have to do is pick two to six players, choose whether or not they're going to come in at more or less than their prize picks projections, and then you can win up to 25 times your original entry. So, for instance, here we're going to pick two right now Chris Olave, 70 and a half receiving yards. I'll take more on that. Michael Thomas, 52 and a half receiving yards. I'm going to go less on that. Not because I don't think that Michael Thomas is going to be able to be effective, but because him being a part of that short area passing game where we were just talking about might rack up a lot of receptions and a lot of key yards, but not necessarily a total amount of yards. And then if you get those right, 
you can win yourself some money. It's that simple. And if you haven't tried out prize picks before, now is absolutely 100% the time to give it a shot. So head over to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL today, and you're going to be able to use the promo code locked on NFL as well in all lowercase and get a first deposit match up to $100. That's a first deposit match up to $100 at prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL or with promo code all lowercase locked on NFL. Let's get it, Houdat Nation. Wrapping up today's episode of Locked on Saints with a look at the New Orleans Saints, probably most consistent concern since the offseason, the offensive line. I appreciate all you everydayers out there making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Now, look, um, this, should, this is news to no one that the New Orleans Saints offensive line has been a challenge. It's been an issue so far for the New Orleans Saints over the course of this season. I don't think that that's the wrong thing to say. 12 sacks over the course of the first three games. It's four sacks per game, literally, not just by average, but four sacks in each game. Um, and I think that at the beginning of the season, a lot of the focus was on Trevor Pitting, but I think that what we've learned and something that I continue to try to continue to try to like boost into the narrative here was that it wasn't just Trevor Pitting, that the interior of the New Orleans Saints offensive line, Cesar Ruiz, Eric McCoy, James Hurst, were struggling as well. We saw a lot of immediate pressure right up the middle some stunts getting through, all those things, very similar to some of the issues that this offensive line had last year. And a lot of the reasons why we thought that the offensive line was having these issues last year was because of the inability to do the blitz identification, right? To figure out where the pressure was coming from. Well, it's looking like now the Saints are doing a good job identifying where pressure is coming from, keeping extra people back when there is a blitz coming, giving themselves the additional protection necessary from the backfield, from the tight ends, all that. But still letting pressure through on quick wins on top of that. And this has been a big issue. Think about Arden Key the first week, Rashawn Gary this past week, a lot of quick wins, immediate wins off the line of scrimmage. One of the things that's also most concerning is that not only are you seeing the interior struggle, but you're also seeing Ryan Ramchick not playing his best football so far, right? And eventually he's going to get there, right? I mean, it's Ryan Ramchick. You know that he's outstanding. It's all good. Uh, but right now, he's one of the guys that's led up some of the most pressures on the team thus far, just looking at kind of the, the raw numbers for the first, first three weeks. Now, Trevor Penning leads the way with, with 11. A lot of those coming in the first couple of games, he only gave up one pressure in this recent game against, Tam, uh, against the Green Bay Packers, not only according to Pro Football Focus, but in me watching the tape as well. Eric McCoy has given up eight pressures so far this season. James Hurst credited with six. Ryan Ramchick credited with five. And then right after that, Cesar Ruiz credited with three. Cesar Ruiz only got to play through, I think it was like 18, 19 snaps of this past game before he had to leave with the concussion. So he'll be in protocol. Hopefully everything's okay and that he'll be back out on the field here soon. But what do you do if you're the New Orleans Saints at this point? Because look, we've been talking about on this show, you and I have been talking about the offensive line since camp. But the difference was that during camp, we were talking about the depth behind the starters, that the starters were solid. But then once you got to the second, third, you know, units, that all of a sudden there was some concern. Now, one of the things that we tried to highlight in that conversation is that you're never going to see an entirely new offensive line out there, right? You're not just going to see the whole second unit come out like you do during the preseason. You're going to see one of those players in with the first unit, two of those players in with the first unit, all of that. Uh, but the the struggle, or not the struggle, but the, the the concerning part around all of it is that now what we're seeing is the Saints starting offensive line being a bigger concern and a bigger 
hurdle than we expected them to be. And it's turned out now to the tune of 12 sacks on the season. It's turned out now into the tune of six hits on the season. And it's turned out now into the tune of an AC joint sprain for your starting quarterback. Those are not good. (laughs) Those are not good things. And so as we look at where the New Orleans Saints can go next, there's a couple of different arguments to be made. I mean, do you continue to stick with the starting offense of, of, of five and get through four games so that you have a full quarter of the season to be able to look back and say, okay, here's where we are. How do we fix it? Or do you start to address some of this stuff now? And how do you address it? The tricky part is figuring out the balance, figuring out the balance. Do you really want to bench a player and then put a new starter in to an offensive line that's already having trouble? Does one swap make a difference? Um, Does bringing somebody in that doesn't know your system, that needs to learn your system, and then start trying to plug them in as a starter, does that really help you? I don't know. Leo Collins just became a lot more interesting though. Not really the way that we, you know, that people had asked me about before. There were folks that were asking me about, oh, well, sign Leo Collins and then start him at left tackle instead of Trevor Pinning. And, and that was not going to work because Leo Collins has like never played left tackle, not in the NFL at least. Uh, but he's played left guard and he's played right tackle. So if Cesar Ruiz is in concussion protocol and is not able to play this weekend, Andrew Speed also had an injury that he left the field for. I don't know the severity of that injury. We get back to practice on Wednesday, so we'll get more information on the injury report at that point. But if both of those guards are unable to go, then you do have an option to maybe bring in a Lael Collins, start him at left guard, and then have James Hurst at right guard until Cesar Ruiz is back. And then all of a sudden, your depth becomes James Hurst and Andrew Speed. There's an option there. And there are ways for you to go about that. I think working on the interior of the offensive line is just as important as having the patience on the edge. Maybe that's just me. Um, but I don't think you're benching Trevor Penning. He's, he's gotten better every game. Let's just be real here. I don't think you're benching Ryan Ramchick because you're not going to find a better right tackle, even though he's struggling. I think you have to be patient with that. But the interior of the offensive line maybe is a place that you, you figure things out. You know, did Andrews Pete lose his job as a starting left guard to James Hurst because James Hurst was healthy and Andrews Pete was not, or because James Hurst outperformed him? I thought he outperformed him, uh, but we're seeing struggles on the field along the interior as a whole, not just any one player. And that could be a number of things, communication. It could be, you know, the defense is having a really good rush plan and all these other things, but you have to be able to adjust and counteract those things. And that's what we haven't so far Seen, although they have allowed fewer sacks in the second half than they have allowed in the first half. Um, but on a game-by-game basis, we're watching this offensive line struggle, we're watching quarterbacks not get time, all these other things. So I, I just, I'm curious to see how the New Orleans Saints are going to go about this. There, there are three different ways to go about it. Um, maintain your offensive line as it is and continue to hope that they just progress and get better. Uh, maintain your offensive line as it is for another game and then reevaluate after you have four games of film to look back on. But I don't know how four games gives you a different piece of information than three games unless the, the offensive line gets significantly better going into the fourth week or you start bringing in players and, and you start creating some competition and, and moving pieces around. Uh, but I can see arguments for all three. I can see arguments against all three. Uh, but it's tough. It's tough. And one of the things that I said was that the New Orleans Saints would stick with this offensive line for a few games to give them time to click. 
If they don't click, the Saints have already shown that they are more than willing to make changes. James Hurst over Andrews Pete was a change. It was a big change for the New Orleans Saints. It, went, it happened very quietly, but it was a big change for the New Orleans Saints. So clearly they feel like if they have a better option, that they will go with that better option. So we'll see if maybe a player like Lael Collins or somebody else shows up, maybe Nick Saldaveri gets his opportunities, whatever it might be, uh, that those things could potentially now be in line as real possibilities for the New Orleans Saints as they look to figure out their offensive line, better protect their quarterback, and now look to open up a run game that includes a very dynamic piece in Alvin Kamara. So you have to be able to do a lot of different things on that offensive line. So we'll see how they go about it, but they certainly have options. We'll just see which one they choose. All right, y'all, I appreciate you as always making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Coming up tomorrow, it's Wednesday, so we're going to go through all the film. We got our film notes on the day to give you everything you need to know. Was the New Orleans Saints offense conservative or too aggressive when Jameis Winston came in? Was there a different way that they could have gone about that? What happened with the defense in the second half and more? We got all that coming up for you in tomorrow's episode. I appreciate you as always making me a part of your day, part of your routine for saying yes to me and the show. As always, if you see me, please say hi. If you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're mom and them. And trust you, that nation, I'll holla at you.